Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? You know what? That one works. Blake, have you ever had a moment where your wife looked at you with murder in her eyes and you didn't know if you would be breathing in another 30 seconds? I see that every Thanksgiving uh, when she's made all the deviled eggs and it's right before Thanksgiving's about to start and I start eating them against her will. Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech director out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, a man who loves Detroit deep dish over Chicago deep dish. And I'm here with my co-host, a man who I've seen eat an entire Chicago deep dish pizza himself, Toby Walters. We're going to have to circle back to this pizza talk because you don't call Detroit style deep dish. Oh, man. I have a feeling I'm about to be filleted like a fish on a deep dish pizza by the end of this. There is a 98% chance you're getting fired on this episode. Well, honestly, that's better than the 100% of every day at Church Gear, so I'll take it. Okay, let's let's talk about murder in our wives' eyes. We're both married. We both understand there are certain moments where we think something is a good idea and our wives look at us like, I'll kill you. Oh, that's like me every day. So I got to, you know, give a little bit of the backstory. Anybody that knows my story, I was a worship leader, Christian artist for a long time. And as I like to say, I was too short and too good looking to be Crowder, but I was too tall and too ugly to be Tomlin. So it just didn't really translate to, uh, you know, being the next great worship artist. So I was at a church in Texas and uh, my band and I were the house band. And Blake, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes things go badly on church staffs. No, never. I've never heard of any any church staff ever having any beef ever. So things sort of fell apart at this church on the church staff. And uh, my band and I were kind of, uh, you know, what do you call it? Just leftover bodies. Oh, you were casualties uh, col- of war. Collateral damage, collateral casu- damage, casualties of war. Perfect. So it was very much a moment of what am I going to do next with my life? So I really felt like God was calling me to music ministry, but I didn't know where. I thought, you know, he had great things for me and there was some amazing opportunity on the horizon. So one day I get an email from one of the largest churches in America Oh, nice. So Joel Osteen's calling you? It was not Osteen this time. Okay. It was Willow Creek. Mm. And Willow Creek wanted me to interview for a position of worship pastor at one of their campuses. And I thought, well, this is it. Obviously, this is the next thing that God has in store. So um, got an interview scheduled with their HR department and was kind of waiting for the day. And so one day my phone rings. And I answer it, and it's the HR person at Willow Creek wanting to do the interview. And Blake, have you heard the story? Have I ever told the story? To I don't you before? think you have, because like, do you want to take a guess where I was at that moment when Willow Creek called? Well, 
I'm going to guess you're at a taco shop because that's where you spend most of your time if it's not in the office. You would think it was a taco shop. Being from San Diego, tacos are my thing. Now, my wife and I are both from San Diego, so also warm weather is our thing, which do you know where Willow Creek is, Blake? It's in the cold tundras of Chicago. Yes, the cold tundras of Chicago. So I received this call from Willow Creek HR from the cold tundras of Chicago asking me if I want to interview for this job and move ideally my wife because i'd like to live in the same house as my wife to the cold tundras of chicago and where i was at that very moment blake was in the delivery room oh wow my wife was literally in labor in the delivery room and i'm taking a call from the cold tundras of chicago talking about moving our family there and she's not going to move there and keep you warm at night i'm going to no. guess and i also hope you like were pitching her this job change while she's like in well, labor obviously <laughs> i mean she's kind of she did take the needle the you know epidural epidural there it is so uh, i mean she looks over at me with straight up murder in her eyes i think she even like i mean if you this is mid birth uh, like women become otherworldly creatures during birth, but the prospect of being moved to the cold tundras of Chicago, there was, I'm pretty sure, like she turned into the the demon spawn from Ghostbusters and I'll kill you. If, if you move us to Chicago. Yeah. You know what's even better? You should have asked her, would you rather can do this whole pregnancy thing or move to Chicago? Because I it sounds like she would have rather continue you know the pains of pregnancy than even the thought of moving to the cold weather i'm pretty sure she thought the cold weather would be much more painful oh goodness well i can't say i disagree cold weather is pretty bad on my bones as well well i'm here with someone who is much tougher than toby and i because his bones are able to take the cold weather of chicago um i'm here with todd elliott who is a writer speaker technical artist in the local church and founder of philo Todd, welcome to the podcast, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. Good to be here. Todd, have you ever pitched your wife a uh, job change (laughs) mid-pregnancy? Yeah, that's a new one. I have not done that, but I have to say uh, maybe something similar to our stories that when I told my wife, hey, I think uh, there's something up with this uh, church in Chicago, her first response was, well, we're not moving to Chicago. (laughs) How did that work oh, out for yeah, her? Yeah, how did you convince good, her then? Good because to know. there's two stories here. One definitely never moved to Chicago. One did. How'd you convince her? Yeah, I don't think it was me doing the convincing. I think we just, uh, uh, I mean, not to over-spiritualize something, but yeah, it was like a spiritual experience of, uh, yeah, what, what does God have for us? And if it were Chicago, would we still go? Like if God were calling us, to, if it was true, would we do it? And so, And yeah, where we were got, you? Uh, I was in Detroit, so not well, uh, similar weather. You're so it just wasn't going a weather across it, the lake. Yeah, but it wasn't a it wasn't a weather uh, decision like in your situation. But uh, well, anyway. was it a pizza uh, decision? A pizza decision for sure. Detroit yeah, it was actually deep dish. Yeah, not deep dish. Come yeah, on, just, Blake. And actually, I have to say, Detroit style pizza is like a new. Uh, that's new. That's a new phrase. I don't. We just called it pizza when we were in Detroit. It was not Detroit style. It was just pizza. So then what is the, give me the dish. Like what's the, what's well, I think the Detroit de- is like rectangularly shaped, right? It's square. Yeah, it's rectangular. It's, uh, it's in a pan. And so, so it's certainly thicker than New York style. And superior yep, than all others. It, for sure. Yeah. It's a particular kind of crust. It's a unique style of cheese. Um, 
pepperonis. Yeah, it's it's a little caramelization of the of the cheese around the edges. So I'm gonna guess it's, is Chicago your favorite, or do you like Detroit? Because you've lived in both. Yeah. So uh, I uh, I feel like people who live in Chicago eat Chicago style pizza when guests come into town. Mm. You know, it's not something that you're always eating, uh, but if somebody's visiting from out of town, you go get Chicago-style pizza. Well, you'd be like 400 pounds if you were eating it all the time. That's no joke, yeah. It's, it's very tasty, but um, I would, I think I would I would either go thin crust or, yeah, Detroit-style. Um, My man. Chicago. Yeah, yeah. but Blake, mm-hmm. you call Jets pizza like the greatest Detroit-style. Are you familiar oh with Jets pizza? God, yes. Yes, That's no. like saying Little if Caesars is the best New York style pizza out there. Right. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So if you want real Detroit style pizza, just I'll give you my recommendation. You won't be able to get it uh, anywhere except for uh, in Troy, Michigan, which is where I was uh, living and working. Bushamis. OK. It's like a convenience store, but they make pizza there and it's the best. See, Bushamis. I'm just a trash panda, Todd. I'll eat anything. And so okay. if Jets is already, you know, making the angels sing, I can't wait to try your recommendation. <laughs> um, I don't no, know how you'll get it, but uh, no one's ever said that good. Jets pizza is making angels sing. Well, you heard it here first, folks, <laughs> yeah. from the uncultured swine himself. All right, Todd, I'm stoked to get into your truths and a lie. Uh, okay. True story. Your, sure. your like truths and lies. I've copy pasted that. I took the okay. name off, and that is what I okay. send to all podcast guests now that we've been booking <laughs> as an example. Because right. it's great. Okay. Okay. Good. And I'm assuming you couldn't tell which one was the uh, the the lie in the bunch. Not I yet. haven't. And We're I, gonna find okay. out. Yeah, I intentionally don't look at these, which also also leads to mispronunciation a lot of times. So hopefully that won't happen. But mispronunciation. Sure. <laughs> You know what? You just mispronounced. Yeah. <laughs> mispronunciation. <laughs> that was a little meta right there. Too much Jets pizza, I would say. Yeah, I've got the pizza hangover here. All right, so we're going to do, We got there's five of them. So the first one is, I was held at gunpoint walking home from school. Mm-hmm. Number two, I used to play basketball with the offense of the Detroit Lions football team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number three, I tackled the CEO of General Motors at a football game. I wonder if it was mm-hmm. when he was with the Detroit football team. <laughs> Number four, I went to Auburn University and majored in electrical engineering. That has to be the, one of the true ones. It doesn't have to be anything. Maybe I, he's throwing us off. I'm locking that in as true. The fifth okay. one, I once dressed up like Mozart and played a harpsichord on stage. A harpsichord. Is, yes. is that right? The right way to yes. say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, the there's no pause in there, but. Holy Spirit, activate. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, well, number one, held at gunpoint walking home from school. I think Blake is going to say that's true because when we asked him to go to Detroit on a gear run, he was like, nope, not going to die. Not going to get murdered today. (laughs) My MO is, you know, survival. And so I'm just like, how would I go to Detroit? And we were asking him to go to Portable Church. Oh, right. Which is not Detroit. Yeah. 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 It's like, come on. I'm very familiar with the Portable Church. Yeah. 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 And hey, we love Portable Church at Church Gear. It's just that. You know, Detroit, when you watch a lot of TVs, TV and movies, it doesn't get a good rap. So um, there are some bad places. Yes. Turns out on the way home from school might have been one of them. Might have been. I'm really hoping that's true. So, so I'm going to just say it's true. I'm going to say the lie is that he tackled the CEO of General Motors at a football game. Mm. Mm-hmm. Darn it. All right. I should have got out ahead of it because I'm going to end up agreeing <laughs> yeah. with him here. Yes. We're locking that in. What's the lie, Todd? <laughs> Riding yeah. my coattails, Blake. 
You know, that's... Uh, the lie. The lie is uh, I did not major in electrical engineering oh. at Auburn University. <laughs> this, See, it, now Blake I'm double in, wrong. I was I so know, confident. Right. Where did you major in? Uh, industrial engineering. How'd that work so out? For just you? a very slight lie. <laughs> uh, actually, um, uh, honestly, uh, when I graduated, it was 1992, and so the job market was a little bit sketchy back then. Like it's hard to find a job. And so I had a very small graduating class, and I was the only one in my class with a job. It was at a church uh, doing production-y type stuff, but we were a portable church, and so it was like it was like a story problem for industrial engineers. Mm. How do you set up gear uh, the fastest, most efficient way possible with people who have no idea what they're doing, and then put it all away as fast as you can uh, and repeat? So, yeah. So the, I use the use my major doing portable church. I think you're the first like church production director we've ever had on the show that says they used their major in college to right. serve them in production. Yeah. Usually they say, well, I dropped out of college because I just wanted to do right. production. <laughs> it was my backup plan to, you know, if, if this whole church thing doesn't work out, then I'm going to go. I got this degree and fall back. So, Blake, we're going to have to like. I, I want the story on every one of these truths. Sure, yeah. Like, we need to pick and choose <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, give so. me the gun point. I got to hear that. So uh, it turned out it was not a real gun. Um, but, I, you know, as a kindergartner walking home from school, you don't really know the difference. So what? It was, it was like older elementary age kids, or maybe they were high schoolers. And uh, <laughs> one of the other, I guess, uh, great moments of that uh, experience was my best friend ran. He, like, got out of there. <laughs> And left me to die, you know, at the hands of these high school kids. Um, but then when they they figured out that I was having a meltdown uh, mm -hmm. that I wouldn't see tomorrow, it they, wasn't fun anymore. Like, bro, it's just it's we're just kidding. So in your best de friend's defense, like you live to tell the story. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. I'm gonna and guess we were we were still friends. Okay. I'm gonna guess you're because I also my still have the same best friend since kindergarten myself. I'm gonna assume his defense was you should have ran with me. Why weren't you running with me, Todd? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You were, he was definitely a faster runner than me. So, um, and maybe I should have said, you know, I, I sacrificed myself so you could get away. You should. Mm. That's how I would spin yeah. that story if I was you. <laughs> I'm going to change, I'm going to change the story now. Yeah. That'll okay. how, that's be how I tell it. Okay. So I want to hear about the CEO. Yeah. Like, so he was, uh, my dad worked for General Motors and my dad had a very negative, uh, view of his boss's 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 boss, or, you know, however that same, uh, I have, I have the same feeling about my boss. <laughs> yeah. I just don't yeah. tell anyone. What were we talking yeah. about? You being fired on this episode? I'm trying to get it, get it over with early. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway. Uh, so I was at a university of Michigan football game. I think we had just played Iowa. We beat them in the last second. That was kind of in the eighties when that was happening, like every year of Michigan playing Iowa for, you know, who's number one. Anyway, it was packed coming out of the stadium and you're just like, you know, shoulder to shoulder with people. And I, I tripped and landed on somebody, uh, like took them down with me and I, uh, and I get up and it's this, it's the CEO of General Motors and he's very short man. And you know, I apologized, I guess, but I was like, my dad's going to love this story, uh, later, but, um. Yeah, was, did your dad give you an attaboy when you got home? He did. I think so, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And at, uh, sadly enough, it's not the only negative run-in uh, that I had with the CEO of General Motors. There was, uh, yeah, another time we were uh, we were in a boat, and our engine had died. And we were, 
it was in a river. So we're just like floating aimlessly down river trying to get the thing started. And uh, this guy, which I can't believe I can't remember his name, came uh, rolling by on his, you know, mahogany Chris Craft, uh, you know, beautiful boat and just waved to us and just kept going. Didn't help at all? Didn't help at all. No. Goodness. Roger Smith. Roger Smith. Okay. How, how dare you, Roger? So tell us about being the tech director at Willow Creek. You almost apparently could have worked with Toby had he taken that job and been one of the worship people. I mean, who knows right. the universe that created? It could have been bros. Tell you about being the technical director at Willow Creek. So I mean, it when was, did you start uh, at Willow? Yeah, 2004. Okay. So I was at a church in the Detroit area, um, actually, uh, for about 11 years before uh, making the jump to Willow. And... Um, yeah, what was it like? It, it was so the church I came from in Michigan and Willow Creek. If you just if there were such thing as online services back then, right on the surface it would look very similar. You could tune into either one. You're like, yeah, they're doing kind of the same thing. It was very like uh, at the time called seeker targeted mm -hmm. uh, ministry. So doing stuff that felt a little bit um, culturally relevant and matched whatever the message was. But then uh, when I started at Willow Creek, uh, yeah, a very different place than what I was used to. I mean, as you can imagine, just ginormous, just a huge organization. And so, yeah, trying to trying to figure out how I fit in, maybe relearn some of my instincts as a tech person. Oh, we don't do that this way. We do it that way. You know, just stuff like that. Um, but the experience of uh, leading that team, you know, the production team at Willow was, I mean, amazing group of people. The the types of things we got to be a part of was amazing. Um, I would say the thing that I realized is that a lot of the challenges I faced as a tech person at the church in Michigan before moving to Chicago, I felt that they were just unique to my situation. You know, it's like, oh, I have a kind of a tense relationship with my music director, but that's just you know, that's just me here. Or, you know, I have a hard time getting volunteers to commit, you know, uh, but that's probably just my issue here. Uh, and then when I went to Willow Creek, I mean, they have the exact same issues. And I thought, um, wow, uh, if we have the same problems here at Willow Creek, it must be kind of a more universal issue that, uh, yeah, that being a production person in the local church is tough. It doesn't matter that it's Willow Creek. It just a bigger place, you know? So that's when you started to really see, I'm guessing like the underpinnings of this is how church techs are really treated. And this is how they go unseen. And like, I'm guessing that's what really sparked you to say, I'm going to serve church techs since nobody's giving them any love. Yeah. You know what? Um, it was, uh, it actually happened when I was still in Michigan, that, that sort of, uh, that light bulb moment for me, um, as somebody who, so this is again, I started in the early nineties so a church tech person is not really a thing. You know, it's like there's a handful of churches that have someone on staff doing production, but I was pretty alone as far as, you know, especially in Detroit, like who can I go talk to? And so I just uh, started making cold calls to big churches. Like I called information. So this is, again, uh, <laughs> wait, wait, 90, wait, Todd. 93. Is information uh, a church? Blake, what's the number for information? <laughs> Eight six seven five three zero nine. Blake, information yes. was four one one. So you have nine one one for emergency. 
Oh yeah, give me the four one ones. So this is yeah, like right. telephone Google. Yes. So okay. I just said, can I have the phone number to Saddleback Church? It's in California. I don't know exactly where. Uh, Willow S- Creek. Saddleback, um, ironically. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So the uh, so I just for my own self started reaching out to all these, and then I would call the church. Do you have a tech person I could talk to? Um, and so for some of them, yeah, I connected with people and would ask them my questions. Hey, how do you handle this? Or what do you do about that? And realized that either they had good answers or they had no answer. You know, it was sort of like, uh, we don't know how to do that either. So if you figure it out, let us know. And even that was kind of a revelation to me. It's like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not alone. I, you know, nobody's figured out how to do this. So yeah, of course it's hard. Um, so that sort of led me to, um, in the Detroit area saying, Hey, we should just gather people together and just share ideas and commiserate together and talk about what's up. And so I got a, I have a mailing list from somewhere and sent out postcards. Again, this is like, there was no email blast. I, no, I love it. Yeah. Um, make use yeah. of what you got. This is great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, I didn't know how many people would come, but, uh, 250 people came and wanted, you know, tech people, vol- all volunteers, you know, from their church. And uh, yeah, just like everybody was staring at me like, okay, give us the answers. What's what's up? I'm like, no, no, no. I want ideas from you. I need help. Like, this is not just about me and what I know. So yeah, so a lot of that uh, was sort of born in those years at uh, being in Michigan, and then just transitioned to, to my time at Willow Creek. So would you say that was kind of the early, like the birth of the idea of Philo and how that's ended for up? For sure. Yep, for sure. Um, so tell us about Philo. Yeah, yeah. So Philo stands for first in, last out, which is what most tech people feel, uh, especially in the local church. Uh, you know, they're the first ones there. They're the last ones to leave. They feel misunderstood, like nobody really gets what I do or spend my time doing. They're asking me for crazy stuff, and they don't really know what it's going to take. Um, and so the event, the Philo Conference, is really geared towards those people in the local church who are volunteering on staff, doing production work, and feel like, yeah, nobody gets them. And so the idea, at least in my, uh, the way I think about it, what I needed really as a tech person was, I just wanted to be around people who got me. and. Mm who could maybe answer my questions. Like, hey, how do you do this thing? Or, or, you know, what's your secret for this? You know, how you do lighting for this event or whatever to be able to ask those questions. And then, you know, just to be reminded that, Hey, what I'm doing isn't crazy and, uh, it is important. And so, yeah, Philo is really about reminding this group of people, all those things. And I feel like there's a, you know, event around every corner for every type of person you could imagine in the local church, but there really isn't too much out there for the person doing production. Um, and so we gear everything to that audience, um, ah, because we are them. So, Mm. and church gear is coming to Philo for the first time this year. We are a sponsor. What should we and everybody else either coming or thinking about coming be looking forward to this year? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm really excited about the content side of things, you know, the our main session speakers, the plans we have for the main sessions. Uh, we've got some really great breakout faculty also talking about all different kinds of uh, areas of stuff that we're doing. These are all people that are doing the, 
work of the local church, you know, so they're, you know, if they're talking about audio, they're doing it um, in the church. They're not just an expert. They're not just a manufacturer. They're not on tour necessarily, but they've done what we do every week. And so um, yeah, there's a lot to be learned there. Honestly, I'm just looking forward to being together with people like large group setting. I mean, there's nothing that's quite like uh, a worship service where, I mean, it, production's predominantly male. Uh, so like to hear a room full of dudes uh, singing full voice um, is pretty spectacular. Um, and they don't normally get to do that uh, in their church. You know, they're working. So That's a good point. This, this is a chance for them just to, to receive, to be a normal person, sit back and just take it all in. And you don't have to worry about anything. So it's held at Willow Creek, like in the main campus, right? Correct. Yep. So, yep, so do, is it, does it ever feel like a pilgrimage to these guys to come yeah. to the main campus, see the setup and yeah. be like, one day we're going to graduate from our X32 right. to, you know, what are they running? <laughs> yeah. SSL or Digital Quantum uh, they've got or something? The Yamaha uh, SD10 or what? I don't know what PM10. That's not PM10. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, things. Uh, um, I used to say that coming to Willow Creek is like Disneyland for tech people. Mm. Um, you know, it's like to see something that's inspirational and, you know, aspirational and, oh, maybe someday I could be like that. Um, I mean, I would say there's probably a lot of churches out there now with cooler stuff and, you know, doing better production work or whatever. That's fine. But the thing I love about having it at Willow, I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why, but um, yeah, it is inspiring to go there and see, you know, how production can be done. Um, it also could be really depressing <laughs> because mm -hmm. most of us don't have facilities like that. And I would say as somebody that came to Willow Creek conferences, I would be inspired for five seconds and then depressed for the rest of the time. Yeah, reality would and, set in. Yeah, and just like, I will never be able to do this at my church, but the reality is, what can I do at my church when I leave here? And so that's the really the hope uh, for people coming to Philo is that, yeah, be inspired, maybe be a little depressed, but think about it in terms of what can I, how can I use what I've learned, you know, practically at my location? And I mean, the reality is that Willow Creek, where they are now, it's a series of small steps of, we met in a movie theater, we had four park hands, we had a jerry-rigged sound system, and slowly over time, you just, you grow and get better, and, and now it's what it is today. And so that was helpful for me to know that I don't have to get here tomorrow, I just have to make steps in that direction. Philo, where inspiration and depression meet. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh. right. Co-mingled, yeah. Speaking of some sadness, like, because there are some, there's some sad you going things. back to Jets Pizza? No. Yeah. That is only happiness. Um, you have, you have made, I'm, I'm the branding guy at Church Gear, and you have made a piece of content that I just am so envious of, and every time I see it, I'm, feel, I'm probably feeling that same way that these tech directors are at Willow Creek. I'm like, I'm inspired, and I'm jealous. Um, okay. Your book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, the yeah, title uh -huh. of that is amazing it make it encapsulates a whole idea and it's eye-catching some most uh, things are either they you get it or they're bland or they're clickbaity but there's no substance you have got the perfect intersection of the two there <laughs> um so just i mean we would love to hear 
your thoughts on that book, like the effects sure. of Christmas and Easter on church texts. I mean, and yeah. hopefully you don't reverse the order and say, I hate Jesus, but I love Christmas. Yeah. Right? You got to be yeah. careful there. Cause I mean, I'm sure texts are, are working more, but we don't even know. I mean, they might be working right. substantially more in that time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, uh, yeah, the title of that book, uh, so fun. And there's a whole story behind where it came from. I, Borrowed it from somebody uh, who coined it if, on my behalf uh, back in early 2000s. Uh, but the, um, yeah, I, Christmas, there's a lot of, Christmas and Easter, there's a lot of pressure that gets put on the local church that this is when people come to church, and so we can't screw this up. Mm. Um, and so coming at it from that uh, perspective, and then I was even uh, was working on uh, some content uh, yesterday and the verse, you know, never grow weary of doing good. Well, I mean, a tech person can turn that around and just be like, yeah, I'm not supposed to get tired. So just keep pushing forward. And so, um, at Christmas and Easter, it's really good to just overextend ourselves to get, um, buried in the weeds of pulling off something ridiculous or ridiculously awesome. And yeah, it's real easy to lose sight of this is a long game, that this is something we want to be doing. I mean, God designed the body of Christ to function not for the immediate, but for the long term, you know, for the for our lives. And so, um, yeah, I just think I could think of a million times it feels like when, yeah, Christmas time, you're like, I don't want to ever do this again. I don't want to come to church again. I don't want to, you know, it's just easy to get into that place because the hours are so long. And again, because a lot of people don't know what it takes, um, it can be very lonely. And so, I always say that the the way to have a really great experience at Christmas and Easter is to start right now or mm. the day after Christmas, the day after Easter, to start building a life that's sustainable so that when you're at Christmas and Easter, you can, I mean, it, it is going to be a little bit of a push, but you're, you've built in a system that, um, that you can survive it. That's great. We hear so many texts talk about Christmas and Easter and we you know, we get it that those are, you got two Super Bowls as a tech yeah. director and those are the ones. And um, so to segue, but it, you know, works perfectly. One of our favorite things is to ask disaster stories, you know, okay. something, <laughs> sometime live production just went haywire, things fell apart and uh, everybody turns around, looks at you as the tech and assumes <laughs> it's your fault. And do you have one you can think of for us? Uh, I mean, it's like, uh, I have, a couple of near-death experiences. Uh, yes, that, give those that, to uh, us. Fall oh into the, the uh, disaster category. But I also have some like near misses, which are also pretty uh, spectacular. But um, so the near-death uh, one that I'm thinking of. So I was in Michigan. Uh, we were uh, the church that I was working at. We were getting ready for Christmas or you know some big service. And so because we were using the high school theater. We didn't have lots of time to get up, you know, set up for Christmas. And so I was in a big hurry. And um, if you're familiar with in a in a theater that has a fly loft, so you can fly things in and out mm -hmm. and they yep. get hidden, you know, up in the ceiling. So we had to, uh, we were going to load up one of these pipes with something uh, for Christmas. And so I had to unload all this weight from the other side, the counterweight, um, and I had no, I, I, I mean, I realized after the fact, I really did not know what I was doing. Uh, and I was definitely not being safe about, I was just in a hurry. I was just trying to get it done. 
Well, I got the, all the weight off this uh, pipe and undid the brake, and the weight of the pipe now outweighed the, the counterbalance. So it just came whizzing down Ooh. at the speed of gravity. You know, this, I don't know, 75-foot-long, two-inch metal pipe. Um, and uh, a volunteer was walking upstage, and the pipe came, like, right down in front of Whoa. his face. Oh, my gosh. And, like, stopped right here. And he was like, we were all sort of like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? <laughs> were there any four-letter words that came out of their mouth? No, I it was just silence, you wow. know. And, um, yeah, I uh, so the beauty of the story is that that guy, I still, I mean, I don't live near him. Somehow I still bump into him from time to time. <laughs> he reminds me of that moment. Yeah. Um, Remember every when you time almost I killed me? Remember that time you almost killed me? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I learned, uh, yeah, a lot about how to, uh, you know, add weight and take away weight from a counterbalanced uh, fly system uh, after that day. <laughs> yeah. It reminds anyway. me of uh, every tech out there listening, like hire a rigger. Rigging For is a sure. special yep. skill and needs to be done right or people die. Yeah. And I would say, too, just don't be in a hurry. I mean, you just cannot do intense production work when you're running around uh, with no time. So. You know who said that? Caleb Lepke said, I tell people never run. I don't care what's happening. Do not run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, running also sends a message of panic. That's what it was, um, too. So, yeah, okay. yeah. Just... Uh, but you make mistakes. Uh, and so at Willow Creek, we have a, uh, you know, one of our production values is the no dying rule. So like before Christmas starts, you're like, all right, everybody just want to make sure we're clear. The no dying rule is still in effect. You know, we are not willing to trade anyone's lives. <laughs> we don't right, have right. that rule at church gear. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, I, yeah. we've got eight brand values. I think I'm about to have to cook up a ninth. Nope. <laughs> it's not on there. <laughs> Yeah. So maybe real quick, one of my other, uh, the, the first, uh, disaster that I thought of was, um, we were doing a conference at Willow Creek. Uh, I was the production manager for it. And, you know, we'd done all these production meetings and we were finally in the event and the producer who was sitting in the front row calls back. We're in the first worship set. And he's like, Hey, just call in to see if we're all set with the props for the, the message that's about to happen. And I said, yep, you got it. No problem. And I hung up the phone. I'm like, I totally forgot about the props for this next session. Um, so I like was like too, super calm. Yep, we got it. And the, the prop required was a basketball scoreboard with a particular score on the scoreboard. So I had known the we used to do basketball leagues at Willow Creek. And so I knew that we owned some somewhere, but I had never been in a room that had them. So I was like, just guessing. So I ran, we're in the, like, we had two songs left in the worship set or something like oh that. Oh my gosh. I ran to the gym. I opened the room that I'd never been in. Fortunately, that's where they were. I plugged one in, I checked the score. I could carry it. I mean, it was pretty awkward. I went running back. People I'm passing, you know, they're just like, oh, that doesn't look good. You know, they were saying it out loud. Ooh. Um, how could so they run say back, that? You look like the beautiful Bob Saget. I've been like, that right, looks yeah, right. like, like Bob Saget Running saving with the a, day. Yeah. Um, anyway, so got it on a table backstage, plugged it in, got the scoreboard, and it walked it right out as the as the teacher, you know, was walking on stage also. It was like the perfect, uh, but yeah, nobody would have known that we... <laughs> a miracle worker right there. Completely forgotten. Yeah. 
You were I'd like, like to say that's the only time that's ever happened, but it's happened two or three times uh, similar in similar fashion. So it sounds like you hit the shot clock with that basketball. That's right. Roll there. <laughs> so, uh, Todd, give us a, uh, a word of advice, word of wisdom, someone who's been there before about young guys considering a career in tech. Now that you've given us these horrifying disaster stories <laughs> and that you hate Christmas. So children right. that love Christmas, you know, you might want to think twice, but here's words of sure, wisdom yeah. from Todd. Words of wisdom. I guess I would say this is just something that I've been working on uh, in my own life right now is that I did not consider as a younger person uh, doing production work, I never considered my own time to be something to weigh into the equation of can we do this or not? I just sort of did. I didn't ask enough questions. I just would, in a way, sacrifice my own time for whatever the idea was. And I think the thing that I've learned over time is that for me to be an effective contributor, I've got to uh, not be totally fried, uh, which is where I find myself most, most of the time. And, you know, I don't, I think too that I made a lot of assumptions that the people who are asking me to do these crazy things kind of knew what they were asking and that it was crazy and it was going to take a long time. And the reality is that nobody really knows when they're asking. And the reality is that's why I'm there, you know, to do that thing. But to not be afraid to stick up for myself, to speak up, to ask questions, to push back, mm -hmm. sometimes it's just an idea. And doesn't have to be done. Yeah, pastors if are you don't, really good at having huge ideas, but really yeah. bad at understanding the manpower that it takes to pull those off. Right. And so if I don't ask the questions, then we're just going to end up doing this thing that was just a good idea, you know, just an idea, not like an imperative. And so, yeah, I guess that was that's my advice, to, to not be afraid to stick up for yourself, to consider your own life, and, um, yeah, to ask questions and push back. It kind of seems like you got to communicate and advocate. You got to communicate what yep. the idea, like what this really means. Like, I know this is what you right. say you'd like, but let me tell you what that means. And then really advocate for yourself if it's not feasible. The The thing I keep seeing in texts, it's kind of, it's real tragic, honestly. They're so giving, so determined, and such yeah. just like good people that they... Yep. They just figure it out, even to the, as you say, their own right. detriment. And I'm like, yeah. I just want to grab them by the shoulders and be like, hey, you're valuable too. Like, don't, they're so good at throwing everything on their shoulders, but I'm like, right. don't, don't do that forever. I saw, you might've posted this. I don't, someone posted something over the weekend that said, if you're not telling your team what you need and you're just grinning and bearing it, you're not helping your team. And I was like, yeah. I wish every tech could hear that. Cause yeah. I almost wonder if they feel like, like even asking for help feels like complaining, but it, but it's not. Right. Yeah. It feels like you're letting the team down if you have to ask for help. And I think the early on in my life as a tech person, my wife was pretty ticked off at, at the senior pastor for working me so hard. And so she went over after a service to kind of read him the riot act. And <laughs> I can remember, uh, I, I tell this story a lot. I remember I'm on stage wrapping a cable and I see this is about to happen. And I just turned around and faced upstage. I'm like, I just can't watch this. <laughs> Whatever's about to happen, I can't watch it. Yeah, he's going to be in trouble. Right. Well, uh, so he absorbed all of her, you know, uh, comments. And at the end of it, he said, you know what? No one's asking your husband to work this hard. If he needs to say no, he needs to be a man and say no. Ooh. And so uh, that really changed my life. Uh, you know, it made me uh, unable to blame anyone else. <laughs> 
from that point on. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just like people don't know what they're asking and you've got to, you've got to feel great about, yeah, if I can't do it, I need to say no, or I need to, you know, ask more questions or mm -hmm. if we did it this way, then it's doable. But the way you're asking is not. Yeah. So yeah, being a production person, no one really tells you it's about communication and trust and people and the gear is just like there. So if you could uh, go back in time to that moment where the road diverged into production world and take a different path, what, you know, what'd you dream up being <laughs> as a kid, like Superman or a fireman or, oh, or Bob Saget stunt double <laughs> Bob Saget. <laughs> yes. Um, I, you know, it's so funny. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think I would actually be good at this, but when I was a kid, I wasn't great at sports, but I wanted to participate. And so I ended up, uh, you know, in a kickball game or, or a softball, something or whether I would be the umpire. And I thought that would be really cool to be an umpire, you know, professional umpire. I think I would be awful at it, uh, frankly, uh, now that I'm an adult, but, um, I think yeah. you're the first tech we've ever had that said he wasn't good at sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, notice he doesn't have to play the sports there. He just, you know, orchestrates and keeps things in line and in order, right. which sounds kind yeah. of consistent. I or mean, tackles the CEO, apparently, as well. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, so, Todd, we uh, we love to end all of our episodes on a tech takeaway. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real straight with you. Yours has a lot more pressure because... I mean, you've got all these years in tech. <laughs> so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, this essentially is like, what advice do you feel like is Todd Elliott's advice? All techs, we have, they've got standard practices. Everybody's learning a lot more. There's more resources available. Mm. But this is like, this is the thing that Todd found um, that like is really, feels like yours. This is your piece of little wisdom that you love to share um, to techs on how to make their Sundays better. I would say, uh, so I uh, saw this online today, and I think it's, well, I'm, I'm going to say this is my thing that um, I wish I knew sooner. Mm. Um, and it was uh, like s somebody else posted this, but it's uh, be brave enough to suck at something new was the phrase. And I think as tech people, it's so easy. Our whole lives, you know, revolve around being in control and controlling stuff and controlling the outcome and, you know, making, making sure that I can, you know, that it will work. And I think we, we miss out on the opportunity to learn new stuff, to try something, to be okay with it, not being perfect. Um, I think we also say no too often because, because we don't totally know how it's going to turn out, you know, this idea. So if I say no, then I'm not, uh, there's no risks. Um, and so for me, yeah, just like be open to failure, um, not on purpose, but because you're trying something new or willing to take a risk. Yeah. Is that a tech trend that you see in tech directors as they age? Do they, do they suddenly, you know, start off real experimental and they love doing anything and everything. And then there becomes a safety in knowledge. And then that safety, does it start to actually make their skills atrophy because they don't take in any new stuff? Yeah. Like, is that kind of a trend you see? I don't know that it's an age thing. I think it's, I think there are a couple, there's probably more than two kinds of tech people in the world, but you know, they're sort of people that thrive on the creativity side of production. And so those are the people that are willing to take risks and try new things. And then I think there's some of us that are more in the, like, I know how this works. I'm going to figure it out. And then I'm just going to lock it down and mm -hmm. then go figure something else out. Um, and so I think, if I lock it down, then I don't have to worry about uh, messing it up. Like, this is how we do it. It works this way all the time. And so, um, 
ah, maybe it comes down to just being comfortable, you know, like I know this will work. So why would I take a chance at something new? Um, so I don't know that it's an age thing. I think it's just maybe, uh, comfort level or how you're wired up. Yeah. I, I say the age thing only is I'm 29. I start to feel myself even get more comfortable in my own marketing ways. I'm like, oh, yeah. Instagram <laughs> reels. I was so good at Instagram posts. I don't want to <laughs> learn that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for sure, that's a great tech takeaway. Well, Todd, um, what, what do you want to plug, man? I mean, you got so much going on. Yeah. Final conference, uh, May 10th and 11th in the Chicagoland area at Willow Creek, South Barrington. You can also join us online uh, with, I mean, something like 800 people from around the world. So that's one of my favorite parts about uh, the Philo Conference is now we have this international audience. Um, and so, yeah, people watching, you know, staying up all night in India to like be a part of Philo. So you can go to philo.org, uh, sign up for that. So that's our big thing that's coming up. We've been talking about it a little bit. I uh, love Jesus, but I hate Christmas. The book, it's really designed for uh, to generate discussion on your team. So it's a great resource if you're looking for something for your production team to do together. Uh, the sh chapters are short. There are questions at the end of each one just to spur conversation. So there's no necessarily right answer, but just like, hey, let's talk about what is this? What is excellence versus perfection as an example? Mm. Um, so you can go to Amazon and pick that up. If you want uh, more than 10 copies, uh, we sell them here on the website, so philo.org for that. Uh, I guess the other big thing that I would love to uh, pump is we do this thing called Philo Cohorts. So it's basically a small group of tech people uh, who gather over six weeks, once a, once a week for six weeks, and just talk about uh, all kinds of stuff that we deal with. And uh, leading volunteers and, you know, what is excellence saying, no, how to communicate to your pastor. Um, yeah, just all the, all the challenges that we all face. And the thing that I love about it, I'm leading one right now. And there's six or seven of us from, uh, all over the United States. One guy from Denmark, uh, has joined us and, you know, it's interesting. He's got, he's in charge of five campuses, one of which is in Sweden. So they like speak a different language oh my at gosh, one of their campuses. Wow. So, uh, yeah, but the the fun part is we all kind of have the same challenges and issues to work through, and um, yeah, just a safe place to feel known and understood. Um, and so I know after the conference we'll be starting another round of those. Um, we even have one that's all female, um, which oh, nice. is one of my favorite. Uh, just yeah, uh, if if production people as a whole feel misunderstood, I got to believe that female production people feel even more that way. Have you, and have so you met Samantha Potter? Them. I don't think so. She's no. a, she's a install empress at Allen and Heath. Uh, she's, okay. she's a big tech, um, like person and, a, and she's a female and we had added her on our show. Most downloaded episode ever. So, Oh wow. So that's okay. great that you guys are doing that fostering that yeah. extensive, inclusive community. Well, Todd, Ben, we really appreciate you coming on. We'll link all that uh, in the show notes. And cool. um, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you at Philo. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, it's coming up fast. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being on. Thanks for listening. And hey, congratulations on Surviving Sunday. If you happen to make it through next Sunday as well, join us again for your weekly Tech Breather. Blake, I love that quote that Todd said, um, be brave enough to suck at something new. So that makes me wonder, like, 
Are you the bravest person I know? Oh my gosh, Toby. I'm so glad you say that because I didn't say it in the episode, but I was almost like, yeah, that's what I do all the time. All the time at church gear. I'll do it. I don't know what I'm doing. I'll do it. But you know what you don't suck at, Blake? Oh, is it podcasting? Well, it's telling your friends about podcasting. Oh, I'm really good at that. And uh, if you were listening to this episode and you thought, you know what, I've got a friend who needs to hear this. I got a church tech buddy that needs to hear this encouragement. Text it to him right now. Just copy that link out of the app and send him that link. Tech yeah. Tech yeah. Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church tier. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-A-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke. That didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? You know what? That one works.